0: Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. I have a tendency to over-prepare. I've only been doing that for about 40 years, so I probably am not going to change. I love the word of God. Look at somebody and say, I love the word of God. Well, when you begin to Uh, examine the Word of God. Hebrews says that the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing. Everybody say piercing. Piercing. It pierces. A lot of times we don't stay with it long enough to let it pierce us. Piercing to the dividing asunder of the spirit, the soul, and the body, the flesh. King James calls it joint and marrow. Uh, So the Word of God is the only thing that can actually dissect correctly all three parts of your being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. God's three-part, you're made in His, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you're made in His image and likeness, and He made you three-part also. And so the Word of God, it it pierces and it divides asunder, or it literally begins to uh, cause us to understand mentally, spiritually, and physically things we would never know before. Because you are a kingdom being, you were made to live and dwell in the kingdom of God, in the presence of God. Can I have two big amens right there? And so the, the great dichotomy of Christianity has always been, we are a citizen of one kingdom and we live in another place. When you were born again, you were delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son, you were saved. And now we have to learn how to live correctly in this life. Well, the Word of God will teach us that, spirit, soul, and body. I said the Word of God teaches that, spirit, soul, and body, how we should live. It's not like, well, we're just going to live any old way we want to, but we want to go to heaven anyway. Uh, You can be sure you're going to live way below your rights in Christ. Let me just say that if you adopt that kind of mindset, and I know if you go to a church like this, you do not adopt that kind of mindset. You want to serve the Lord. You want to actually do what is right. Uh, So it is very necessary for us to make some powerful decisions that we are going to obey the Lord and that we're going to serve the Lord. If y'all allow me to, I'm just going to swap out right here. I'm not sure that's dropping out today, but it does sometimes. So God is good. He's always good. And so a few weeks ago, I spoke on a guy named Mephibosheth who lived in a place called Lodibar. I want to pick that topic up for just a moment. And I want to talk to you about changing the way you think so you can change what you receive. Changing how you think so you can... Change what you receive. It's interesting when we begin to see. uh, Let me give you a verse of scripture. It's in the book of Jeremiah. Everyone say Jeremiah. He's the weeping prophet. Let me show you something in Jeremiah just for a moment that Jeremiah talks to his uh, people about. God speaks to them. In Jeremiah chapter 17, And verse 5, I'll begin there and I'm probably gonna read four verses here to you, and then I'm gonna take you to 2 Samuel chapter 17. I mean, 2 Samuel chapter 9, 2 Samuel 9. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub, like a bush. King James uses the word heath. He shall be like a heath, a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in Galveston County and Harris County and this region, in the world, in the wilderness. He will be in a salt land and not inhabited, not having oversight, But then you notice the scripture says in verse seven, blessed is the man. Come on, somebody shout, blessed. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Uh, The next verse says, For he shall be like a tree that is planted by the waters, and he spreads out her roots by the river, and shall not see when drought comes, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. I want to show you that there are two things right here that are very necessary. One of them is to break the curse of what you see and the other is to activate faith on what you see from God. The scripture says it like this uh, in verse 6. For he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good comes. One translation says, and the, the word see right here means to recognize, to ascertain, to understand, to see it. He said he will be like a person who does not recognize when good comes. He doesn't see it. He's cursed. He has a curse because I don't care where you put him and what's going on, he cannot see it. He cannot attain to it. He cannot recognize when good is come because of circumstances, because of mindsets, because of conversations, because of experiences that were negative, that then he has bought into them And created a train or a system of thought that says, life is this way or my life is this way. Look, if you ever went bankrupt, uh, that doesn't mean that all businesses go bankrupt. It might mean that you got attacked unfairly. It might mean that there were circumstances that were out of your control. It might mean that you made real poor choices. And it really hurt. But that does not mean that every time that you try to prosper, you're going to fail. Can I get a better amen? But oftentimes, people go through bad experiences. And then they create a system of thought that says, that's the way it is in my life. And from that point on, they are living in the desert. They are like a shrub that's living in a deserted area. And they cannot recognize when things begin to turn around and things go good. They live at the point of fear. They're always expecting something bad to happen. I'm not talking about your in-laws. I'm just talking. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about your wife. I'm not talking about your husband. Guys, y'all stop making so much fun of your wife's decisions. Remember, she chose you. Just thought I'd say that. No, but oftentimes... Oftentimes, we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to let a negative experience create a system of thought in our life. And then when God wants to use us, if we have not renewed our mind to the way and the Word of God, we will absolutely not be able to see when God is going to prosper us, when God is saying sow, when He's saying harvest, when He's saying reap when He's saying act on something, when He's saying make a change, when He's saying don't make a change, when you hear the Holy Spirit talking, if you just filter everything through this guard, this checks and balance thing that says, I refuse to take a risk, I refuse to stretch out, I refuse to do anything outside of my comfort zone because I know something bad can happen because it happened to me once. Can I just say to you that I know it was a bad marriage. I know you wished it hadn't happened. It hadn't ended that way. You didn't go into it expecting it to happen. But that doesn't mean you're not going to find the right person in Jesus' name. Did you hear what I just said? Now, that doesn't mean you have to kiss every frog in the creek you know, before, before you find your prince. You understand what I'm saying? But I, how many of you are glad there's more to you than just hips and lips? Come on. Y'all know what I'm saying? I don't want to get off on that subject. Y'all leave me alone. Sometime in the spirit, I can feel it when people are pulling. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going there. But just because you missed it somewhere or they missed it somewhere doesn't mean that God doesn't have a right thing for you. Uh, If you just look at everything through that past experience, you're going to telegraph some stuff. And what you're telegraphing to that other person is like, why in the world do I want all of your problems? I got enough of mine. I'm marrying somebody because two are supposed to be better than one, not twice as bad as I was before. I told you I wouldn't go in there, so I'm not. I'm getting back on track. Y'all did that to me. It's your fault. He shall be like a shrub or a bush if he does not trust the Lord, and he will not recognize, he will not participate, he will not take advantage when good comes. Everybody say when. Not if good comes, when good comes. Uh, because things change. Today's not forever. It's going to change. It's going, the Bible says the willing and obedient eat the good of the land. All land has good in it and it's got evil in it. Those that are obeying the Lord, they're going to eat the good of the land. If we have eyes to see, we're uh, filling ourselves with the Word of God and we have a continual expectation, we guard our confession, we refuse to just speak doubt, fear, hate, unbelief. And in all of those kind of things, listen, if you listen to the news all the time, you'll think everybody in America hates each other. Can I just say to you, that's not the truth. In the words of somebody, our fearless leader, fake news. The good news is we were delivered from the power of darkness. We were translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And it doesn't make any difference who we are or who we aren't. We walk in love. Look at two people and say, I love you a little more already. Come on, tell them that. I love you just a little bit more already. It doesn't make any difference what color you are, what your age is, or your, you know, wherever you came from and all of that kind of stuff. You say, what are we going to do about all this illegal immigration? Well, they'll sort it out before it's over with, but it's been going on ever since there was an America. Don't buy into the Kool-Aid and get mad at someone. This church has spent millions of dollars in its first 33 years going to Central America and South America and all those places. If a few people make it up here, sure, they should come legal because I believe in the law. But I'm just glad they're here. I'm asking them to come to Abundant Life Christian Center. Are you listening to me? If you're going to do it. Come on to this church, I'll preach the devil out of you and we'll find out that something good's gonna happen. Hallelujah. Less expensive to do it that way for us. But we don't care, we'll do whatever it takes to get the gospel to every place and every person that God told us to go to. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. He will be like the heath, like a bush in the desert who does not participate when good comes. Well, that's if we just trust in our own self or we form our own opinions, our own thoughts, and we make a decision that's the way it is because that's the way it is. It's set in stone and nothing's ever going to change. Those are real difficult things. It's hard to live with somebody that's that way because things are not always the same. Things may be, might have truly happened or you might have witnessed it or formulated your thought because of history or because of experience, or because of the books you've read, the movies you've watched, the conversations you've had, the teachers that you've sat under, all of those kind of things. People form opinions. But I've got good news. When you come in the kingdom of God, God immediately, He wrote 13 books about it. The Apostle Paul wrote all of His epistles. And in it, He mentions things like, so go ahead and renew the spirit of your mind. Let the Word of God wash you with the water of the Word. Begin to uh, speak the Word of God. Learn how to assimilate that into your conversation. Get what I like to call a praise phrase in your mouth. I mean, get a hallelujah in your mouth. Get a thank you, Lord. If nothing else, just get a little, I know that's right. Get something that begins to give God the praise instead of using His name in vain. If, you're gonna, if you think you're going to have to do something like that, just go, oh, Mohammed. Oh, Buddha. Why has it always got to be the true and living God that people curse? They curse their when they do that. No, uh, fill your mouth with joy. Fill your mouth with life. Fill your mouth with, with godly expectation, even in the midst of the giant facing you. Like, this is the way it's going to be, Goliath. You think you're going to feed me to the fowls of the air today? Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take you down. Then I'm going to go home and I'm going to name my dog Goliath. Isn't that interesting? One of the top names in America for dogs is Goliath. And for years, one of the top names has been David that we name our sons. Oh, hallelujah. I've always thought God had a sense of humor. And so this promise is real powerful, and it says those who do trust in the Lord, uh, verse seven, and who have a hope. the The word in the Greek word for that Hebrew word, their hope, means to expect or to anticipate. You have an expectation from God. You have a hope from God. I know that was a bad report from the doctor, but we have a hope from God. We have an expectation. First of all, that the healer is working in the house. I still believe all healing is from God. He is Jehovah Rapha. But instead of fearing, and instead of sitting around listening to everyone tell you about someone they knew who had that same problem, and how bad it was for them, look, don't don't even get in that conversation. Let's practice something. Let's practice something. Take your take your fingers and put them in your ears and say, la, 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 la. The next time somebody starts spewing that stuff on you to, and, and, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They don't even know why they're doing it. But the last thing you need to do is have someone pouring that stuff in, in, in front, just inside of you fighting your faith. No, make a decision that you're going to surround yourself with people who say, I believe. I can do all things through Christ. Greater is He that's working in me. With His stripes, I am healed. I was healed. I shall be healed in my body. Uh, You say, oh, that's just positive confession. Well, let me just say this. It is positive confession, but I promise you it's not just positive confession. But all the promises of God through Jesus Christ are yes and amen. They are, yes, you can have it, and amen, that's the way it is. Hallelujah. Come on, shout it out loud. Yes. And amen. Now go to 2 Samuel chapter 9, and let me see if I can conclude this series in the short amount of time that you're going to give me. David said, verse 1, one day David was, he's now the king. And he's thinking about some things, and he says, Is there yet not another one left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness because of Jonathan? Jonathan's for his sake. Jonathan was King Saul's son who should have become the next king. But Jonathan, of course, and Saul were both killed. And God had appointed that David would become the next king. And so when Jonathan and Saul were killed, God put David in, in that position. This is a powerful thing. Saul, of course, had, was extremely jealous and envious of David and tried to have him killed for several years. He tried to have him killed. But the Bible says that Jonathan and David, they had that spirit of a king on the inside of them. And they had a godly relationship and it was called a covenant a covenant relationship. And so they made this covenant relationship. It's in the Bible where they said, I'm going to protect you. I'll protect your family. You protect my family. I'll do good to you. You do good to my family. It'll always be that way. And they made a covenant. It's a powerful thing. We don't understand covenants in the, in the United States so much today because we just have to have it in writing and then have it certified and, and all of those kind of things. Uh, And then people break those covenants many times too. But be that as it may, a covenant is a powerful thing and God never changes. He still believes in covenant. And so Jonathan is is killed uh, and David now comes to the throne. And one day as the king, he's thinking, I wish there was somebody left from Jonathan's lineage that I could be a blessing to because he loved Jonathan with all of his heart. He had a covenant. And the scripture says, verse 2, And there was of the house of Saul's servant, uh, whose name was Ziba. And when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Are you Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any left from the lineage of Saul that I can show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto him, unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son, who is lame in his feet. He's crippled in his feet. I imagine David's heart leaped. His head probably snapped around when when Ziba said, what do you mean he has a son? He said, yes, he has a son. And if we read the story, when the overthrow took place, uh, when Jonathan had been killed and Saul had been killed, uh, he was just an infant. His son was an infant, and the nurse picked the boy up and when he, she took off running, she either dropped him or she stumbled some way and it broke his feet. And it crippled him in his feet. The Bible doesn't say that he could not walk. It says he was lame. And when you read it in the Hebrew, it says he was crippled in his feet. So he had a, a real difficulty getting around, to say the least. He was real limited. And in that day, you can only imagine how a boy growing up like that, who is fleeing because they were kill. They thought that they would kill all of the lineage. The next king coming would kill all of the male lineage so there would be no challenges because they thought there was a spark of divinity in the person that was king. That's what royalty meant. It did not mean that royalty meant they had a philosophy that somehow that person was there because they had a little spark of divinity in them to be a king. They were separate from everybody else. So if a king came in, they knew that a male heir could cause an uprising because of the understanding of the people, and so they would kill everybody in that lineage. That was a historic thing all through Europe and the Middle East that wasn't unique just to this story. And so the scripture says, He has a son which is lame in his feet, and the king said unto him, Where is he? Uh, how many of you are glad the Holy Ghost is always looking for you and me? Can I just say, and fast forward on this, that in the Garden of Eden, the original, the original, King and priest unto God, Adam. He dropped us and we got lame because of what he did. But God loves us. He has a covenant and he's been sending the Holy Spirit looking for us ever since the beginning. Somebody shout hallelujah. Can I tell you, you didn't find God. He found you. You made a decision when he called you. But the Lord was looking for you. The king said, where is he? One of the great stories in the Bible is the story of David and Jonathan. Listen to this. It's, it's when that a, a king literally made a covenant uh, with one of his uh, stewards, one of his servants, Jonathan, with David. It's when a father made a covenant, Jonathan, with a savior. David's a type of the savior. Uh, God put those in the Bible for us to see. Out of all the experiences, He put some in there for us to understand the way God operates toward us. Because the Father, God, made a covenant with the Savior, Jesus, on behalf of the heirs. That's you and me. I wish somebody get a little excited in here today. Jesus did that for us. God did that for us. And He's waiting for us. The Scripture says, in verse 4, And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said, Behold unto the king, he's in the house of Maker, the son of Amia, Amiel, and he is in a place called Lodibar. Ooh, my goodness, Lodibar. Lodibar. The word Lodibar is an interesting word. It literally means a place of, of barrenness, a place of lack. It comes from the root word for sound." And it says he's in a place of no sound, a place of no communication. We can't communicate with him. He's lame in his feet. And he's there. Uh, This man, Maker, M-A-C-H-I-R, Maker. Maker's name is an extremely unique name. Later on, those of you that do word studies, you look it up. But it comes from a word that literally means one who sells people. And and it's a a euphemism. It's a Hebrew word. An old euphemism for a male prostitute. Make here. And he literally, uh, when you begin to study out those words, because they're not chosen by accident in the Scripture, God lets us know those things, and it gives us a little insight many times. This guy, Make here, was probably a slave trader. He was definitely a person who would uh, buy and sell wives. And now he's got a crippled guy who who limps real bad when he walks. He's lame in his feet. And when he talks about himself before the king, he calls himself a dead dog. And the word dead dog is the euphemism for a male prostitute. I just think that's an interesting statement right there. Uh, But be that as it may, you can be sure that this boy who should have been a king has grown up in a place of no communication He's gone through very difficult things and his opinion of himself is he's a dead dog. Can you imagine the grief that must be in this boy? The scripture says, Then the king, verse 5, sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Emil, from the place of no communication. When When Mephibosheth, everybody shout Mephibosheth. Say it again. Say Mephibosheth. Say it three times real quick. Some of you need to repent after that. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said unto Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness because of Jonathan your father. And I will restore you all the land of Saul. You've got to get this before I close. Get this. I will restore all the land of Saul, your father. And you will eat bread in the palace at my table continually. Uh, Verse 8, And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou should look upon such a dead dog as me? Oh, my goodness. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. People go through things in life. When I think of Mephibosheth, he probably knew that Jonathan was his father. He probably knew that he was never going to be able to get out of that situation. He's living in a place of no communication. He has to have developed a lot of internal pain. I'm sure he was wishing that things had not happened. He's probably mad at God because it did happen. Uh, He's probably uh, thinking only uh, if things had been a little different, I would be living in a palace instead of living way out here. I didn't ask to be born this way. Why did it happen that way? And what begins to take place when you get in a difficult situation and in a difficult place and you refuse to communicate correctly about it You pick up opinions, even about yourself, and you almost, and and maybe he even was now working, maybe under under Maker's uh, control. He might have even been working as a male prostitute himself. It's interesting, once again, that the Bible uses those terms because he's working for a slave trader. It's uh, exceedingly necessary to know that regardless of what your circumstance is, God has made a covenant with a Savior for you. He knows how to get you out of that situation that you've been involved in that you don't think there's any way out. It's interesting to me that He's probably thinking, Oh, I wish I lived in a palace like my father and grandfather did. I wish I had all that land. I wish I had all of the money. I wish I was a warrior. I wish I was a captain again, like my family had been before me. Uh, Only if these things hadn't happened. Just think how it would have been. But he's bought into this because of no communication. He's bought into this because he is in a dry and barren area. And the only people speaking into him are speaking things that serve their own good and somehow try to validate their own fallen position and keep him down. But there's always a whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, this boy was born, this woman was born, this person had greatness on the inside of them because they're made in the likeness and the image of God. They're not supposed to be a failure. They're not supposed to be in pain. They're not supposed to be in regret all of their life. They're not supposed to have all of these negative things. They're actually supposed to rule and reign in life through one Christ Jesus, the Bible says. but he's in a place of no communication. And then by the grace of God, somebody shout grace. By the grace of God, Jesus, a savior, sends word and says, I want you to come into the palace. What I find remarkable about this is when he comes into the palace, he falls down at the feet of David but he still calls himself a dead dog, unworthy. It, all of the things he's fantasized about in his life and wished and hoped for. When good came, he was in a dry and barren land. He could only trust in the arm of man. But when God began to change that season, he's still talking like he was out in Lodibar, and everything he has ever believed for, or wished for, or fantasized about having, the king has just said, I'm giving it all back to you. You're getting your daddy's stuff back. You're getting the land back. You're going to live up here. You're all of that. You'd have thought he'd have been going like, woo, 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 like he had just won America's Next Millionaire or something like that. You know what I mean? But instead, what comes out of him is the same thing that was back in Lodibar. He has trained a system of thought. Hell has beat him down so much that he has not yet renewed his mind to who he is. He says, oh, I'm so unworthy. I'm a dead dog. Why would you be doing all of that? Time out. The king has called you. The king has just said, I'm going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Your cup is going to run over from this day forward. You might have been walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but that's going to change right now because I have told you, come up higher. But he's not at that place. All he can say is, I'm a dead dog. I'm a dead dog. Now, the facts may be, That he was a dead dog, but the truth is, his father had a covenant with a savior. The facts may be it hadn't always gone the way you wish it would have gone and you might have dreamed about something else that is a godly dream on the inside of you and today your best day has arrived and the fact may be you walked in here with a problem but the truth is that God knows how to set you free, take you out of the miry clay, out of a horrible pit, set your feet upon a rock and establish your future. That's the God we're talking about this morning. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know you've had a failed uh, situation. I know you were in prison. I know those drugs hurt. I know you got in sin. I know you had the abortion. I know you had all of those problems. I know you've gone bad. Who cares? God made a covenant with a Savior. His name is Jesus. He shed his blood for you. And the Bible says, when you call upon the name of the Lord, all of those who call upon, not on the arm of men, not on what I can do to get out of this. No, no, no. Some things it takes the king saying, come up higher. When you call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, you shall be delivered, saved, delivered. He will set your feet on a solid rock. He will guarantee your future as being bright and blessed and good and godly. All you have to do is make a decision to serve Him. Come help me, musicians. God is in this house. No one comes to a church like this accidentally. No one goes to a house of faith accidentally. The devil will never tell you to go to a church like this. Listen to me. Because we know that Jesus Christ is the same today as He was yesterday. And He's no respecter of person. And your situation could have not gotten any lower than Jonathan's did in Lodabar. But God reserved for us the character of God. He gave it to us in script and then he sent the Holy Spirit to personalize it to us to let us know that God loves us so much that in one moment the situation can change. It started started because he sent the servant. The Holy Spirit is called the servant of God. He sent the servant, the Holy Spirit. He sent Ziba. The Bible says he was the servant of the father. And he went and he said, the king has just said for you to come in. Mephibosheth's mind hadn't changed yet. His opinion about himself hadn't changed yet. He walks out of a situation that's worse than your worst nightmare with a king's escort. He starts walking in to what he could have only dreamed about in his wildest dreams. Through all of his physical limitation, his life choices, situations that had been dumped on him that he never deserved. One of the biggest communication killers is when someone you trusted in your innocence drops you and hurts you. And it happens in people's lives. He was a little baby, and that nurse dropped him in her panic and fear to run out, the Bible says. Too many times we get dropped because we thought we were trusting someone. Or maybe we dropped someone, and the guilt gets on them. And then we form these thoughts, and we're not able to see when opportunity comes from God. Oh God, open the eyes of our understanding today. Jesus is in this house. I tell you in the name of Jesus, your life can change. I met a sweet little couple this weekend who don't live here now. I walked into a a business and they said, Pastor Hallam, I was talking to Scott right here and they said, we recognized the sound of your voice when you came in. And they said, 28 years ago, we walked, when we lived down there, we walked an aisle and we gave our life to Jesus. I said, what are you doing now? They said, we're living for God. This is where we go to church. They told me a place over, uh, in the Houston area where they go to church. I said, what a great blessing. Thank you for sharing that with me. They said, our life changed. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Same Bible, same Word, same Holy Spirit. I just happen to be the voice today. But God loves you with an everlasting love. If you're ready for things to change and you have that drawing of the Holy Spirit in your life today, can I pray with you right now? Let's just just believe God for that. And it will change today. It starts right now. And I'm going to ask God to open your eyes so you see when opportunity comes from God. You recognize it. I'm going to ask God to help you renew the spirit of your mind where you never again compare yourself to your dead dog status in life. Everybody's got dead dogs in their life somewhere. Oh, God. Everybody's lived in Lodabar at some time. But the king made a covenant with the Savior. Before you were ever born, the king made a covenant with the Savior. God made a covenant with with Jesus. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good Word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, men and women, I found, are so generous when the Word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give, today to 832-981-1601, and you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing, and it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601, and I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.